0: joy to the world, hope of all nations. You know, it's hard to envision uh, Christmas as including really anybody else but us because we have our own traditions, we have our own way of doing things, and we press our uh, expectations upon the rest of the world. If we can learn anything over these next weeks of Christmas, these services where we gather together, I hope you'll make any and all of them that you can. I hope that you'll participate with you and your family, that you'll read those daily Bible readings, that you'll plug in and pray for a a prayer request that is real and tangible. They'll mark it on the map out there, that you'll be with us on Christmas Eve. We'll have two services to choose from, one at 5 and one at 9, and... And then Christmas this year is on a Sunday. I don't know if you knew that, but December the 25th is Sunday. And we're going to gather in one worship service at 11 o'clock on Christmas morning. That gives you an opportunity to uh, do what you need to do before the day begins perhaps or get some things done and it gives you plenty of time the remaining hours of the day. But uh, this Advent season where Christmas actually falls on a Sunday as it does ever so often, this is one of those years. But when you think about the gift of Christmas and joy to the world, I mean, really, it's, it's not ours to begin with. If those people that were directly involved in the birth of Jesus, if they had the attitude that many of us have, then we would have never heard about a God who loves us and cares about us. But we do know And that's why this message of salvation and this gift of eternal life is for all people, not just those who look like us, who speak our language. There is a passage over in the Gospel of Matthew, first chapter, 23rd verse. It is before the birth of Jesus. It's when his coming is announced. And it's there when the angel is speaking to the relatives of Jesus that he says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. The angel is actually quoting from the prophecy of Isaiah. The seventh chapter, the fourteenth verse, centuries before the coming of the Christ child. But what I want to ask you to focus on is not the, the words we typically are drawn to here. We all have heard that passage before. At least we can paraphrase it. The virgin will conceive and she'll give birth to a child and you shall call his name Emmanuel. But it's those connecting words which translated. Or some of your versions may say, being interpreted as. You ever stop to think that we need those words desperately? We need the interpreter among us. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and give bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. But how in the world are we going to know what that cryptic, strange name means if it weren't for the one who interpreted that name for us? You'll notice that as you go through the Scripture, this idea of being interpreted or which is translated as is going to happen several times, many times. There'll be some concepts, some words that just don't make sense to us. And that's why the Bible says this means the following, which interpreted is. When you translate it into our language, it will be this or that. And here we find that we desperately need the interpreter Because without it, we would have no idea that Emmanuel literally means being interpreted as God with us. See, that's what Christmas is all about. It is all the trappings of Christmas. Yes, I don't begrudge those. I enjoy them. It is the decorations, it is the songs and the carols, but at its heart, the message that's going to spring forth that is meant to be announced to every one of these continents on the face of the earth is Emmanuel, which means being interpreted is God with us. I'm grateful for the interpreter, and I hope that you are too, because what comes next is that familiar passage in Luke chapter 2 that I want to take just a smidgen of. I want to take just a brief paragraph out of those 20 verses and I hope that you'll read them more than just here in church but that you will pore over them and that you will meditate upon them and that you will grow to understand them in a different and a better light because we need the interpreter. We need the one who will make sense out of These strange goings on. Luke chapter 2, picking up there in verse 10. It's when the angel approaches those shepherds who were keeping watch over their flocks near the village of Bethlehem. Bethlehem is six miles south of Jerusalem. You can go there today and you can look at the church where the Christ child traditionally is said to have been born on that spot. But it was there that Christmas night Where it says the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold I bring you good news of great joy which shall be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth among men with whom he is pleased. You've probably heard those words so many times. You've read them. You've looked at them. But we need the interpreter. We need the same one who said, Emmanuel, which translated means, God with us. We need someone to explain to us. We need someone to take us to what these words truly say about the way we live. And it's all wrapped up with me in the fact that everything made sense except two signs. Matter of fact, the angel just said, a sign for you, but when you break it down like we all want to because we're all analytical, we see two signs here. One is a baby wrapped in cloths. Two, lying in a manger. That's it. That's the sign. Those two items is all the angel gives to shepherds. We need... The interpreter. We desperately need somebody that's going to come in here and say, which translated means, which interpreted means, which really is saying this. And I think if we look intently at this sign or these two, this twofold sign, we're going to discover some things that we need to carry with us for the rest of our lives. Let's think about it for a minute. This shall be a sign unto you, the angel tells the shepherds. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths. You'll find a baby in a manger. Now, let's clarify first and foremost: manger. We some types, sometimes think that uh, those shepherds thought manger like we think of manger, but to them it was literally feeding trough. We call it a crib. We sing away in a manger, and we should. But sometimes we focus on the sign itself and don't see its true important meaning. And so it is with this twofold sign. A baby wrapped in cloths, a baby lying in a feeding trough. We need to understand and know that we need some interpretation here. We need some help, Lord. We need to understand what happened 2,000 years ago and bring it up to where we are today because too many times we have decorated the manger so much that we don't even understand what it truly means. And we've taken that idea of a baby lying in swaddling clothes and we've made it such an image and such an icon in our minds that we've totally missed out on what it truly says about us. People have striven and they have written and they have commented and they have preached sermons and you've heard Bible study lessons and musicians and people who have tried to put it to beautiful music and indeed it is pretty, but we need an interpreter. There's some good ideas to find here. That baby being wrapped in claws, simply, literally, was the fact that this child was being cared for. Some will look into it and say that in this day and time, you would tightly wrap a newborn infant in rags or swaddling cloths or diapers, however you want to put it, in order to make sure that their limbs, legs, and arms were put in such a position that they could grow and that the bones could develop. There's probably a lot of merit to that. But think of it in this way: none of us are too insignificant for a Savior. You see, we need an interpreter. And if we find here one of the signs is that the angel said to the shepherds, You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, which simply meant you're going to look for a child that's been cared for. You're going to look for a baby whose mother and father know enough to understand that this baby is significant. And they're going to take care of the basic needs of caring for a newborn. Parents, you know what that means. We've all taken classes on how to be good moms and dads. We've all taken classes on what we need to do to ensure that the children we raise are important to us. And indeed, it begins right here at birth. And maybe there is something to the interpreter telling us. A sign will be given to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws. And maybe they would say which means or which interpreted would say every single person this baby came to save deserves that attention from the very beginning. And how many of us don't receive that, don't feel it, don't understand it, don't consider ourselves to be anything worth saving? We need an interpreter. We need some more of this. Being translated means this. Well, what about that manger? You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling claws, lying in a feeding trough. Literally, I think we have to say that this sign is important, or this part of the twofold sign is important, because the shepherds could find babies wrapped up in claws all day long, perhaps. Well, not literally. Bethlehem wasn't that big. But if they were going to go looking for a baby, they would find every single child wrapped up in some way, shape, or form. It was just basic hygiene. But to find one whose bed was a feeding trough it's totally different. It was a surefire sign to these shepherds that gave them a beacon. It gave them something to look for. They could skip that household. They could go past this nursery and they would look where they knew they would find a feeding trough. And that meant they would go to the place where they would find animals. And who better to find and sense where animals would be than those who tended to them. You see, we need this interpreter for us. It's Isaiah, that same passage that the angel quoted in chapter 7, verse 14, which translated, Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. It's that same prophet, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 3, that says, alluding to the coming of a Messiah, saying that God's own people didn't recognize God's servant. They didn't even recognize where this person would come from. And so therefore, they ignored God. God's Savior. Jesus himself, when he was 30 something years old, one day just out of the, just seemingly out of nowhere, at the spur of the moment, or just an aside comment, but it was much more than that, he said this, and I paraphrase. He said, Every single person, everyone I know, has some place to go home to. You've got a bed that you can sleep in at night. You've got a table where food can be brought to you. But the Son of Man, that was Jesus' designation for himself, the Son of Man has no such place. The Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. This shall be a sign unto you, the angel said. You will find a baby wrapped up in swaddling clothes, and you'll find him lying in a feeding trough. Perhaps it is an interpretation that would tell us that though the very Son of God was in a sense homeless, none of us are truly homeless because God cares for us and God provides for us. See, we need help here. We need desperately to have this interpreter along with us. We need more of these statements that say, here it is, but translated means this. Interpreted means this. This is how you apply it to your life. And it, it seems to me that there's still something here that I don't quite get. I mean, it seems like you're stretching out here to say, we're going to take a two-fold sign of a baby wrapped up in diapers and say, okay, shepherds, at least you know you're looking for that, but you're going to find him lying in a feeding trough. In a barn. And so look beyond that pretty word manger and look beyond that word for a crib. And remember that God's own Savior, though he spoke of being homeless, he did that so that we could have an eternal home. But you know, beyond all this, or underneath it all, or the foundation of it all... There's got to be more. And I would just simply ask the question, do your Christmas celebrations truly interpret these signs? You know, we sit here and look and I turn to the pages of Scripture and go, thank you, God, for interpreting that for me. Thank you for an interpreter who will come along and say, this is the word, this is the, this is the thought, these are the verses, but they mean this. I get it. What about what I do here at home? What's it really all about? Let me give you a couple suggestions. I think that if you and I could do anything this Christmas season, it would be to understand that this sign given to the shepherds was all about a search. It was all about finding God. I mean, look at it. That's what he's talking about here. It's all about finding God. Robert Fulgham wrote a book some years ago called All I Ever Needed to Know, I Learned Where in Kindergarten. Some of you have read that book. It's it's about 30, it's printed, I think, in 1986, the first go round, but it was a New York Times bestseller. And it's just little proverbial thoughts about how to treat one another. But he's got one little chapter in there. It's about halfway through the book. It's kind of hard to find them because he doesn't title the chapters in this book. But he's got one chapter, it's about three pages long, that talks about the game of hide and seek. You know, you've played that before. It's where as you get a group together and you proclaim what? You proclaim that someone is it, and everybody goes and hides, and then whoever it is goes around and identifies everyone and finds them and calls them out, and the game's over when he finds everyone. But there's a variation of the game, he says and talks about in this book, about Everything he needed to know he learned in kindergarten. And he said, it's the very opposite. And it's it's called the sardine version of hide and seek. And you're going what's that? Well, that's where you do the very opposite. Instead of claiming one person to be it, the one person who is it, that person goes and hides. So you've got everybody else looking for the one. But this is what you do. You don't call out the person and say, I found you, it's over. When you find the person, the one person who was it that went to hide, you crawl in there with them. And then the next one, he comes by, and he joins you, or she joins you. And before long, you've got a bunch of little kids stacked up in a corner in a closet like a bunch of sardines, if you will. And the whole idea of the game is After a while, they want to be found. And you find them because you hear the giggling and you hear the laughing of a bunch of little kids who had joined together. And he says in that little chapter of that book, he says, I think God is in the sardine finding business. God wants to be found, God wants to be discovered. And we're going to really, truly find God when we find all of those people who have also found him, who are gathered together, and they too want to be found. I think that's a great idea to think about at Christmas. It's a great way to envision the God who loves us, who wants to be found, who sends shepherds out on a Search and rescue mission? No. He sends shepherds out to discover. To discover God Himself. To discover Emmanuel. Thank goodness, which means and is translated, I don't have to guess about it, means God with us, God among us. But do we ever even consider looking for God? that way. You know it is inherent. I mean just inherent in the game of hide and seek. You know how it is after a while. If you've ever played that game before, if you hide real well, you get mad because you're not found. <laughs> you do everything you can to stay hidden, camouflaged, but you're just hoping you're really just waiting for discovery. And if Your friends don't find you, they what? They forget about you, go off, start something else. Then you're all mad at them because they didn't go looking for you long enough to find you. It's just the nature of it. And folks, each and every day that we live, and it's accentuated at Christmas, it's highlighted at Christmas, we've got people on our right, on our left, in front of us, behind us, that are living and playing this game of life, and they are staying so hidden They will display no feeling. They will ask not for one prayer request. They will not give their lives to anyone. They will not let anyone inside for a myriad of reasons. And yet, in their heart of hearts, like the rest of us, they're longing to be found. That's what this sign is all about. That's what this baby wrapped in diapers and lying in a feeding trough is really telling those shepherds. Because beneath it all, what is God doing? God is setting loose some people who cared enough to search and to find. Who did he choose? Shepherds. You remember Jesus loved these guys. He told a story in Luke 15 during his ministry where he talked about a shepherd and he went out looking for how many sheep? One. Out of how many? One hundred. These shepherds were tenacious. They would never give up. They looked, they searched until they found what they were looking for. And I'm so thankful that God chose shepherds. And gave them just enough clues. Baby and diapers, oh, you could find several that way, but one line in a feeding trough, bingo, there's your sign if there's something going on with this one. And so he picked that demographic because he knew that they would search until they found what they were looking for. These shepherds, we could, we could. Put our name on one of them, we could put our face on one of them, because they're just like us in so many ways. They' are people, the common people, the working class, the ones who were looked over by royalty, the ones in power never gave shepherds a thought, a glancing thought. But yet it was this group that God gave this incredible news to, after the mother and the father mary and joseph the news was given to this class of people what else did they do how did they find him they paid attention to the signs literally they went house to house barn to barn till they found the one where the baby yep There he is. He's being tended to. His parents know how to change diapers. Good, we don't have to go through that ordeal. But this baby is in the feeding trough. They knew where to look. And we sing a carol. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let heaven and earth, let all of nature, heaven and nature sing, we say. Folks, all you got to do is look at this world as those shepherds did and realize that God is up to something, that he is the ultimate creator. And until you can get past that and past the notion that this universe that we live in was not just a random accident, it was not just a big bang, but it was the intention of a creator, a loving God. See, these shepherds understood nature. They understood and they looked to that and they hoped and they knew that God one day would make himself known. And then it happened. On a night, a starry, starry night, the Scripture says. These shepherds that were so looked down upon by so many other classes of people were given this news, were given the clues so that they could what? So they could go on a search. But they weren't going to be looking for a God that was trying to stay hidden. They were going to be looking for a God who was beckoning them to make the ultimate discovery. So they looked at the creation of God. They looked at broken people. All you have to do is look at the sadness and the hardship throughout the face of this earth and you will understand and know that we are searching for something more than ourselves. That we are searching not just for relief, but we are searching for fulfillment and for salvation. And it's all wrapped up in this sign that these shepherds were given. And they looked in the right place. Where would you have thought you were to look if you were playing hide-and-seek with God? Where were you going to find the creator of this universe? You'd find him on the highest mountain. You'd find him in the most royal palace. You'd find him not in a feeding trough, but you'd find him in a golden-plated crib. But they looked in the right place because they understood and had a hunger for God. You see, we need this interpreter. We need these clues. But folks, just understand and know that we're not playing hide and seek with a God who's trying to elude us who's trying to pull the wool over our eyes, who is trying to stay hidden. We're looking for that God who is beckoning us to just simply look for those others who are smiling. Look for those others who are fulfilled. Look for those others who have found Him. And when we do, we'll find the very reason we were created in the first place. Emmanuel, God with us. I'm glad we have an interpreter to point us in the right direction. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to gather here to think of your world, to think of where we are in life, to think of the choices that we can make, to think of the, the search that we're on. Father, help us to understand and know that you've given us all the clues we need. You're not trying to hide from us. You're not trying to elude us. But we need to have that hunger and thirst for you. And we need to make sure we're looking in the right places. Thank you for Jesus. And as we search for him this holiday season, may we find him. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We offer an invitation as we wrap up this hour. It could be that there are those in this very room and you've yet to say yes to the claim of Jesus upon your life. You've yet to surrender to him, to cross that line of faith. We would encourage you to consider the most important decision you'll ever make to be that one. So if the need for a Savior, if you're tired of thinking that it's hide and seek, just follow those shepherds. Just follow the words that we find here in God's Word, and you'll find Christ. However, we can help you. We want to do that. So we invite those who are seeking to find salvation to come forward that we might pray with you. Maybe you're here today and you know the Lord, just never told anyone. Come and tell us. Maybe you've never followed him in believer's baptism. That's a whole another discussion in a sense, but one that's an important sign. To a lost and dying world, let's visit about it. Maybe you're here today and you feel God leading you to unite with our church to become a part of the First Baptist Church in Lewis. Well, how do you join a church? You come forward. Maybe you just need prayer. Ray and Sandy will be here in lawn in the balcony to pray with you. And maybe it's just you've been living your life playing hide and seek from everyone else, even those who love you the most. Maybe it's time this season to open up your heart, open up your mind, open up to love others so that they can love you. That's our invitation. We stand together. We stand and wait for you to come forward right now.